Now turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may support over this business. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Taman, and Parmasus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient unto the faith. As we've saw over the last couple of weeks in the study, as God has raised up his church, and he sent forth his apostles to preach the gospel, we see that, that it said they were of one accord and those who had possessions of lands and different things, they sold those things and brought them to the feet of the apostles and they would distribute that money as they seen fit to take care of the poor and the widows and the fatherless. And then we saw that there was persecution that arose because of them preaching the gospel and there always will be. He sent us forth into the world to preach the gospel. And when God begins to gather his elect out from this world, the enemy hates it. He despises it. We know from the scriptures that at least 8,000 people have been converted. They, it says they have been multiplied. We don't know how many others. This is amazing. In just a short period of time, God has turned this world upside down with the gospel. But when that happens, there will be persecution. And when you think about persecution, you think about something that persecutes you from the outside. These were the religious leaders. They, they, they said, they, remember they told them, they said, don't you preach in Jesus' name. And then they beat them. You remember the man said, you be careful what you're doing. If this is not of God, it will come to nothing. And you always remember that if God's not in it, if he didn't raise it up, if he didn't ordain it, he won't sustain it, and it will come to nothing. But if it's of God, he said, you be careful that you don't fight against God. If God decrees it to happen, it will happen. Now, a lot of times his ways are not our ways, and his ways are past finding out. But his are always the best way. But here we see in verse 1, and in those days when there were persecutions going on. And they were daily in the temple back in chapter 5, preaching and teaching in Jesus Christ. 
when the number of disciples was multiplied, like I said, we don't know how many they were. There's a lot of them. And there's not only spiritual needs that need to be met, they are physical needs that need to be met. That's why those people that had certain things, and some of the poor probably had nothing. They brought what they had, and they distributed it, and everybody's needs were met. And they were some, it talks about, in the daily ministration. How were they going to take care of their needs? People, they would take the funds that God had, that people had given, and they would use them for these things. But it was when the number of the disciples were multiplied. Now watch this. There rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Right when God is multiplying, right when the midst of him displaying his grace and mercy, here, he, here the enemy works from within, people begin to murmur. My mother's being neglected. She's one of those Grecians. Now, what the Grecians were, they said, were the Jews that spoke Greek. Sometimes if you look it up in the internet, it's called Hellenistic Jews. And they, were, they thought they were slighted because they were not those of Judea that spoke Hebrew. But they were all converted. And, you know, isn't that how the enemy thing just, just whispers in you, well, she's being neglected. And she might have been. Or they just assumed that they were. But this is how the enemy works. But even in this, all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It says in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 12, about the, when he was building, raising his church up in Egypt, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Lord will even use this to bring about his purpose. Till this, we, we never read of deacons. We never read that there was any need for deacons. But here we see where God raises up these seven men, that's the title of the message, seven chosen men to serve. That's their responsibility. That's why they were chosen. Somebody was neglected. And 12 apostles can't take care of that many people. It's just an impossibility. Someone must suffer. And they were being multiplied. Why, when God was blessing, here comes the murmuring. This is how our Lord works. At times, he makes the things uncomfortable to the flesh so that we will not become comfortable in the flesh. It would be it would be very easily, knowing human nature, that the Lord is multiplying. And you imagine a place like this just being filled up. And we'd go, wow. You know, they probably thought the same thing. And they become comfortable. You remember the message I preached where the eagle stirs up the nest? She don't, she don't want her little ones. Now, they, they must stay in the nest for a little while. But what she would do, she would put thorns and things inside the nest to make it uncomfortable, to make them little eagles want to leave the nest because that's their purpose. They've got to learn to fly. They're not going to learn to fly sitting in the nest. And this is what God's, this is his church. These are his little eagles. Mount up with wings of eagles. 
He's going to make it uncomfortable for them. So his word will spread. The success of the gospel cannot be hindered by men. You remember that. It not only means men from without or even men or people from within. It can't be hindered. God's work cannot be stopped. He said, I purposed it. I'll bring it to pass. And he does. And he's doing that right now in this world in which we live. This is God's purpose. It's his will. And he will bring it to pass. He will save his people. He told Peter, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Like I said, there was persecution from without and there's strife and discord from within. And you know what it got down to? Some thought they were neglected. Neglected. You ever felt neglected? No one likes to feel Neglected, like I said, they might not have been neglected, but they just thought they were. Like I said, these Grecians were the Jews that spoke Greek. Any congregation, any congregation, I don't care what we would call how strong it is, any congregation will from time to time have problems to face and to deal with and to overcome. There's not one there. Someone said there's no perfect church. If you think it's perfect and you go join it, it won't be perfect then. That's just it. But now verse 2. So this was the issue. This was the narrative. So what are they going to do? They didn't just neglect this. This was a concern. How are we going to deal with this? Then the 12, the 12 apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said... It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. You see the issue? Those men were not called to serve tables. They were called to preach the gospel. He sent them forth to preach the gospel. What is the main thing? The main thing here is not for us serving tables. The main thing is for a preacher to preach the gospel. And it's motivated around that one thing. We, we enjoy hearing singing. We do. We enjoy hearing music and those things. We enjoy hearing someone read the scriptures. But the primary thing is the preaching of the gospel. And serve tables. The apostles, the apostles could see that this issue was about getting them. This was the issue. It was about making them so busy that they would have to leave the word of God to do something else. What it was doing, they said, this is taking up, and they may not have realized it, that it was taking too much of their time. You remember Moses? You remember when his uh, father-in-law came, and Moses is sitting there all day long, and these people are bringing all these issues to him. And that's all Moses does. He sits and listens to people's issues and their problems. And Jethro said, if you don't do something, you're going to wire yourself out. And I think they chose 70 men, and it was their responsibility to bring these things to these men, and then the Lord would take care of these things. So that's basically what we have here. But this is the thing. It's all about God's word, we should not leave the word of God. Never leave it for anything. 
This is the most important thing in our life. Not only just in a preacher's wife life, but in everyone's life. Everything will try to take you away to leave this table. To do what? Serve. You know, you could say you could use the term serving tables as serving yourself, serving someone else. Just staying so, just so busy. Busy. Then verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report. And he tells them what men to look for. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Seven men, he said, you pick out seven men. Why? That's how many they needed. Now, some people take this literally, so, oh, the Scripture says we need seven, so we need seven deacons. If you don't need seven deacons, you don't need seven. This is what they needed at this time. These men were without question, first and foremost, these men were believers. This was their credentials. How will we know who we're supposed to pick? Seven men. This is not a friendship competition. This is, this is, this is serious. You think about this. The first thing he said, they're of honest report. Men that were looked upon by their neighbors as men of integrity. Faithful men. Men that might be trusted. If you'll notice, and if you didn't, I could have took time and just spent on Titus chapter 2 this evening. He, he dealt with young men, older men, younger men, younger ladies, younger men. He dealt with servants working for somebody. How are you supposed to deal with somebody that's just putting it plain a jerk? How are you supposed to? He said, that we may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Some people like it, it's just hard to deal with. But these men were be, have such integrity, faithful men, and they were men that you could trust. Trust. You know, it's hard to find people that you can trust. By nature, we're not trustworthy. With these men because of grace. Grace had made them this way. Men of, that you could be trusted. You know, you think about this. They trusted Judas. What did they trust Judas with? The bag. And they never questioned him. Some believe, and I'll just throw this out, that one of them, the last one mentioned, Nicholas, you remember in Revelation what talked to the, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Some believe that could have stemmed from him, and, and that's not, you know, I'm just saying that. Nobody knows for sure, but, you know, you, what he was saying is even one of the seven we can misjudge. We're not above it. And they must be full of the Holy Spirit. They must not only be honest men, they must be men of courage. I'll challenge you for your assigned reading for next week. You go ahead and finish reading chapter 6. And it talks about how they begin to deal. And chapter 6 and chapter 7 has to deal with a man named Stephen. The first one that is mentioned by name here of the seven that was chosen. 
And you know what? He is the first martyr in the church. He was a man full of courage. He can't be intimidated. He can't be, he can't be threatened. Able men, fearing God, men of faith, hating covetousness, led of the Spirit. Honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. Wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You know what we need? It's wisdom. What am I to do? I need wisdom. What am I to say? I need wisdom. How am I supposed to do this? Wisdom. 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 Whom we will appoint over this business. They were chosen by the people, but they were appointed by the apostles. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 This is Paul writing to a young preacher named Timothy, instructing him how they were to behave in the house of God. He's dealt with bishops or pastors, and now he deals with deacons. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, and not greedy of filthy lucre. And most of y'all know what filthy lucre is. You know what lucre is. It's money. It's, it's filthy money, not greedy. Not, he's not doing it for, they're not doing it for money, not greedy of filthy lucre, as Judas was who sold our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He wanted to buy him a piece of property, wanted to buy him a piece of land. He could be bought. These are not men that could be bought. These are not men that could be persuaded. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. What is the mystery of the faith? It's the gospel. And let these also first be, first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon so this is an office, the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives. So it doesn't say in Acts here, it said choose out men. It didn't say whether they were married men or single men. But here it says these men ought to be what? Married. And if he's married to a wife, that lets me know that the ones they were chose were men. Not one of them was a woman. There's no such thing as scripture, deaconesses. Even so, their wives must be grave, not slanders, sober, sober faithful in all things, and let the deacon... Deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For if they have used the office of a deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that God raises up faithful men. I'll say this. I am so thankful. We don't have what you call deacons, but we do have deacons. We have men, and it's amazing for this smaller congregation that I can call on to read, and there's some that they just don't feel comfortable reading. But it's not, it's not that I wouldn't ask them, and it's not that you wouldn't mind hearing them read the scriptures and leading in prayer. But for this size of a congregation, 
we're very blessed. I think we're very blessed. Without being personal, I've seen the time when it was, it all fell on the back of the preacher. If the grass is to be mowed, the preacher did it. If it, if the, if it has to be cleaned, the preacher did it. And I don't have a problem with that. Not a problem at all. But how, when am I supposed to be doing other things? Boy, the Lord yard looked good this evening, didn't it? Somebody mowed it. Somebody took time to mow it. That was a job, I think, and I appreciate it. You see what I'm saying? Look out for among you men, seven men, honest report full of Holy Ghost and wisdom. And we'll point over this business. Look in verse 4. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You choose out men, honest, upright men who are faithful. They're faithful to the house of God. They're faithful to their families. They're faithful, faithful men. And we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and they go hand in hand. Many times Paul said, pray for me, that utterance may be given. And sometimes I feel about that big when I hear these men stand and they call my name in prayer, said, help our preacher. Unless God helps an old preacher, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. But he said, we'll give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You know why? I have a responsibility to watch for your soul. As those, as one that must give an account. It's the ministry of the word. Paul told Timothy, right before he's getting ready to die, the last letter that he probably wrote, he's encouraging a young preacher. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about that preacher, and he's thinking about the congregation that he'll serve. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, but that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. He describes it as a battle that has to be fought. If a man is in the military, and he comes home and he's on leave, and the phone call rings, and they said, you've got to go. And the wife may say, well, I don't want you to go. You can't go. Where are you going? I can't tell you. When will you be back? I can't tell you that either. How long are you going to be gone? I don't know. He has to go. No man that warreth. He can't be so entangled with the affairs of this life. But why? He was chosen that he may please him who chose him to be a soldier. We were not drafted. We were picked. We were handpicked. Chose. Chosen. Chosen. Chosen to do what? Preach the word. If you would turn to Ephesians 4. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. I could see him say, you know what, that's a good idea. We'll pick out seven men, a bondage report, full of the Holy Spirit. And they chose, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Taman, and Parmesus, and Nicholas, and Proselyte of Antioch. Here's what Mr. Gill said about these men, these seven men. The name of all these deacons are Greek names, from which it seems that they were of the Grecians or the Hellenistic Jews. They were of the ones, they were the ones that were saying that they were neglected. So it's kind of ironic that in God's providence they chose out seven men from those people to serve everyone's needs. So that the church thought fit to choose men of that part of them which made the complaint in order to make them easy, which is an instance of prudence, and shows what an excellent spirit they were of. You know what that was? It was just wisdom. How would it have looked? Think about this. If all they chose were them Hebrew Jews or those that spoke Hebrew. Now, they'd really seem neglected, but now in God's providence, these are the ones that God chose. You think about it. God raised up these men for this purpose. He raised them up. Verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They prayed with them, and they prayed for them. They prayed that God would give them more and more of his Holy Spirit, of the, give more of his wisdom, that he would qualify them for the service which they were raised up to do, and they would serve the poor those in need. You know, the scripture talks about widows and deeds, and when it talks about widows, I don't think he, that he's just talking about women that were, didn't have a husband. I think you could include the fatherless, the widows, the poor. They were, I don't understand, but they were a lot of poor people, literally poor in Jerusalem. You'll see this on through the New Testament the church of Philippi, they were always taking up many offerings and they were sending them to those Jews because they were poor. They were neglected. They were hated. They were despised, but that's where they lived. But God has always provided for his people. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or ever seen them begging bread. God's people take care of their, each other. We do. God's grace makes people gracious. Gracious. But this laying on of hands, you remember when Jacob laid his hands on Joseph's sons? You remember when Isaac blessed Jacob? That's what it means. It's blessing. They were blessing. They were not conferring something on it's people still think they have the idea, you know, laying on the hands. That if you you know, if you lay your hands on someone, you you that you have the ability to heal someone. Now come on. Like you have the ability to confer, though they were just recognizing and acknowledging by doing this that these men had the approval of God. 
That's what it meant. They were blessed of God. They were set apart for God's work. In verse 7, what's the result of this? It began by murmuring some. They thought they were neglected. So they chose these men, and men that God told them the credentials. And he chose these men, and they're all listed. And I want you to see verse 7. And the word of God increased. We say amen. The enemy wanted to stop it. If you don't increase something, it decreases something. Someone said this would, you know, where he talked about this, where the sower went forth to sow the seed. Some brought forth 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. You know what that is? The word of God increased. We're going to try to plant a garden, maybe in a little while, if it, if it warms up enough and it gets dry enough. And we're going to plant a few beans and a few pieces of corn. We're going to plant just a few ears and a few grains in each hill, same way with the beans. But I'm going to get a whole lot more than I put in the ground. You know what's going to happen? That seed is going to increase. There's more corn on one ear of corn than all the corn that are planted. There's probably more beans on one hill of beans than the, than the whole beans that are planted. You know what? It increased. The word of God increased. It increased mightily. It's amazing how it works. God brought all this to pass. Then when they obeyed God by the wisdom of God, the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. What's that saying? God honored it greatly. We don't know how many people were converted. He just uses, they multiplied greatly. Wow. I think about the disciples. They were standing there when our Lord had just talked to the woman in John chapter 4. And they said, you, th you said it's four months unto the harvest. He said, look over yonder. The fields are white, ready to be harvested. And a whole grove of people are coming out of that city to see our Lord. Why? One woman went and told them, come see a man. You know what happened? The word of God increased. God saves that person. That person goes tell someone. That person knows somebody. They go tell them. Then they go tell them. First thing, it's amazing. The word of God increased greatly. In, Jer in Jerusalem, the seat of idolatry, the seat of the seat of works religion. That's the it's it's amazing, but that makes it more amazing. It'd be like going to Rome, Italy, the seat of Catholicism, and God raising up a church. Here in Jerusalem, you've got your scribes and your Pharisees, and they've done threatened you. Don't you be preaching the gospel anymore. We'll beat the fire out of you. We're going to preach. We're not going to take our way from, we're not going to take time to waste our time doing all these other things. We're going to preach the gospel. And God honored it. Those who honor him, he honors them. And it multiplied greatly. 
Do you know when our Lord was upon this earth, he had very little success in Jerusalem? He didn't do much work in Jerusalem. He did it in Capernaum, Galilee, in other places. He did. He didn't go. To, he went to Jerusalem to die. And he wept over that city. He said, how many times would I not have gathered you as a hen doth gather her little bitties under the wings, and you would not come? But now, oh, now, because you know why? He told them. They're fulfilling what he told them. He said, I'm going to send you into all the world to preach the gospel, but you're going to begin at one place. You're going to begin at Jerusalem. That's where you're going to start, and that's where I'm going to start my church. I'm going to build my church right here, and all hell can't stop it. All hell can't stop it. Greatly, greatly, greatly. Can you imagine what these religious people thought? They're a bunch of fanatics. They're, they're gone crazy. They think that Jesus of Nazareth is alive. Well, he is. Everybody's talking about Jesus that's risen from the dead, yeah. Now watch this. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Not only just common people. I wonder how many of those that were sitting just in the first part, uh, there in chapter 5, where they judged the apostles for preaching the gospel. They cast them into jail, and the Lord delivered them, sent the angel of God to deliver them. I wonder how many of those men that were sitting there that day listening to these men preach the gospel. And they're going to beat them. But God in his grace, we don't know how many of those he didn't save. I know a lot of them he did. Do you know the Lord took the one that he called himself the chief of sinners, Paul the apostle, Saul of Tarsus, he said, I'm an example. He said, if God can save this old self-righteous, ungodly Pharisee, he can save anybody. And God saved these priests. And you can imagine what these priests say now. Now they're going to tell these other priests, that's done away with. Christ has satisfied all those old pictures and times. What are you doing keeping a day and a month and eat not? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Why are you going through those? Christ fulfilled it. Priest. A great company. They could have been a whole bunch come at one time. Be amazed if you've seen them walking in the back yonder, you've seen a Methodist preacher, or uh, sometimes any preacher you could name. Just, where'd they come from? How'd they hear? Why'd they leave all that? Because there's nothing there. I just wished I had the ability to preach what these verses say. And see the wonder of it. The wonder in the midst of so much darkness, he's raised up his church. And he blessed it mightily. We are here today because of these, our brothers, that God called to preach the gospel. You know why you're here? Somebody told you about somebody that could save anybody. <laughs> and he does. And a great company, great company of the priest. How did it describe them? He didn't, they could have said they believed. It said they were obedient unto the faith. Salvation is bowing to Christ. This is what he says. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I hope that's been a help.
that he still sits upon the throne. And we should pray that the word of God would increase. And that the word of God would have free course. And that when men hear the gospel, that they are, then I know they're affected by the gospel for good or bad. Either it's a savor of life unto life or a savor of death unto death. But that God would draw them and bring them and they would be obedient unto the faith. And you know, when you know they're obedient, when they come up one day and they say, Preacher, I believe the Lord done something to me. I want to, in obedience to our Lord, I want to follow our Lord in Believer's Baptism.